Well, good morning. So we're starting a new series today, Next Steps. Salvation is just the beginning. And I know many of you are going to sit there and be like, man, Pastor, really? Do I really have to go through like this next steps? I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I, I know salvation is just the beginning. And, and I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Man, I'm checking out for the next three weeks. I want to encourage you. Don't do it. Don't do it. So just so you know, next steps, it's, it's, it's going to be more than what you think it is. It's not just for someone who's seeking Jesus. It's not just for someone who's just beginning to be a follower of Jesus. And one of the things you're going to find out today is the scripture that we're in today, it's so rich in its text and, and things that we as Christ followers, whether you're just seeking him, recently found him, or been walking with him for a long time, the one thing you're going to see in today's text is that there's things that all of us should continue to do, no matter where you're at. And one, one of the things I want to do as we get ready to dig in is remember that the habits of the local church teach us to be more Christ-like. The habits of the local church teach us to be more Christ-like. And as Christ followers, what are we supposed to do? Become more like Christ. You know, as we live this life, as we walk as Christians, as we do what we're called to do, we should be more like Christ in everything that we do. And ultimately, what we want to never do is don't give up meeting together, but value the vital work of the local church in forming us into a community that reflects Christ. We together should be a reflection of Jesus. So each one of us should reflect Christ in our life. But then when we come together as a body of Christ, we should truly reflect Jesus in all that we do. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to dig straight in. There's a lot of good, a lot of stuff in here, and I got to make sure I get you all done so you can go give some blood outside. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 19 through 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. But as a reminder, it'll always be up here on the screen with us. And before we get started, hey, let's give it up for those who joined us for church online this morning. Hey, we want to thank you guys for joining us for church online. And yes, I say join us because you're right here in the room with us. We appreciate you being here. Um, just make sure you listen to today's message. Um, and, and make sure that just sitting at home isn't what you do just because it's convenient. But get connected to a local church someplace. Whether it's here or someplace else where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. So with that being said... Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Heavenly Fathers, we dig into your word today, Lord. We ask that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be your words and you may your name be glorified through it all. And make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So if you notice, this passage contains some commands. And there's three commands in there that are all preceded with the words, let us. Let us. And three different times these words show up that, that let us. And I want to look at what it tells us to let us. Because it's, they're talking to Christ's followers. They're talking to people like us. People who have accepted Jesus and are walking this walk that God called us. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, let us. So that, if anything, said three different times in a short set of verses, should tell us that we need to listen to what it says, correct? That we need to be able to dig in and, and see. So as we look at these commands, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get this glimpse of what it means to be the body of Christ. And not only the body of Christ in the world, but the body of Christ inside a church, inside the house of God. And one of the first things we see is that in verses 19 through 22, you know, it says, let us, or what the faithful, the faithful draw near. We're, we're told to draw near, or, or we're told to, you know, come in, come into the presence of, or to uh, enter in. And you think about this, they're told to enter into the sanctuary. Enter into the sanctuary and draw near to God. Now, if you think about they're writing to the Hebrews back, at the, back in the early part of Christianity. And, and this had to sound funny because they're like, come in, you know, come in to the sanctuary. If you remember back in them times, in biblical times, a Jew couldn't go into the sanctuary. The sanctuary was the Holy of Holies. There was a curtain. They couldn't go beyond that curtain, so they couldn't walk in. They, they couldn't take them steps into the house of God. But yet we're told to enter in, and through this entering in, we can then draw near to God. And as the early Jews and first Christians, to them it was probably kind of confusing. You know, enter into the, enter into the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Now see, remember, early Judaism is a closed system. It was this closed system to where they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. The only one who could go in there was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Only one who was able to go into the house of God, into his presence, and he had to bring a sin offering for himself to atone for his own sins. So he had to bring that blood sacrifice in there. And here they're telling the Jewish believers, come on in. Come on in. Come in and draw near to to God, have this relationship and draw near. And it had to be very confusing to them because their whole life they knew they couldn't go in. They couldn't draw near. They couldn't enter into God's house. And the interesting we know, maybe you don't, but on Easter Sunday when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. That, that veil, that curtain that stood between the Holy of Holies and the outer sanctuary. And in here, it even talks about going through the veil 
of the blood of Christ. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he was that veil or that curtain ripping for us, allowing us to be able to enter in and draw near to God. And we're able to do that because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And many of the early Jews didn't fully understand what they were talking about at the time. But we're able to walk into that holy of holies. We can walk in, draw near to God, and meet him right in his throne room. Meet him right at his feet. And us as Christ followers, that's what we're exactly called to do here, to draw near to God. But it also tells us that we need to come with this true heart. We need to be sincere. We don't need to take it for granted, which a lot of people seem to do in today's world. You know, we got to have that true heart that we're truly looking to seek God with our whole heart. We need to have that new heart, that new living. It promises us this new way of life. So, so as we accept Jesus and we're able to draw near to God and, and we're able to enter into the throne room, it also affects us from the inside out. So as we have this new heart and we have this new way of living, we need to actually live it so that we can have that full assurance of our faith. Think about the full assurance of your faith, knowing that as a Christ follower, that you can go to your heavenly Father, and he will not only listen to you, not only listen to what you have to say, but in many cases, according to his will, do for you what you need done. Now, no, this is not prosperity, name it, claim it. But this is, we know if it's within the will of God and we're able to draw near to him, that he will hear our cries. He will hear our voice. And we're able to do that and have that assurance in our faith because even though we're going to fail, he never will. He is faithful to us. His promises will be fulfilled. However, even though we may not fulfill our promise to him, he will always be faithful. And we need to hold on to that assurance that he is good. We may not be, but he will always be good. So we, so we know we can draw near to him. The next thing in verse 23, we see that the faithful hold fast. The, the faithful hold fast, and it says, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. How long can you hold on to something without wavering? In real life, you know, we may be able to say, oh, this is mine, and we can hold on to it. But then we kind of waver when the world gets in the way. Well, what about your faith in Jesus? You know, and the world starts getting in and everything starts happening and, and the world's crushing and coming down around you. Is it easy to hold on to your faith then? But that's what we get. We, we, we should have that without wavering. Hold fast to our faith, no matter what. And understand, this means that when we claim Jesus that we have hope, we, we know where we're going to end up someday. We know he's going to give us a new home. We're going to have a new home in heaven after we leave, and we have that hope to remain in there. You know, and remember, these Jewish converts were having a hard time <clears throat> when it talks about holding on to their faith. They were still stuck on their religion. They were still stuck on going back to the rituals 
and the customs of the Jewish faith. So as they were starting to believe in Jesus and trying to walk this walk, the writer of Hebrews telling them, hey, don't go back. Hold on to your faith without wavering because they wanted to go back to this Jewish system of these rituals or whatever it was. And this can easily happen to us today. How many times do we start thinking about, well, I remember how it used to be. Or the, this is how we always do it. Or this is how it's always be do been done. Understand, none of us were saved from religion. We were saved from our sin. Although many of us get so caught up on the religion aspect of it, religion will never save you. No religion, no denomination, none of that will ever save you. The only thing that will ever save you is the grace of Jesus Christ. But man, we'll get caught up on it, right? And we'll get so stuck on, we, we want it this way or we want this. And our focus should be up there. Our focus should be on him and what he's called us to. Not to the past, but to the future and the future calling he has on our life. And instead of going away from that calling that he has for us and, and wavering because, well, I don't know if this is really what he wants, so I'm going to go do this. Don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in religion. Make sure it's all about that relationship and hold on to that hope of the faith that we have in Jesus without wavering, without moving backwards. And you, we all know, as we talk about moving backwards, we all know people who have been in church. They came to church. They may have been on fire for a little bit in church. And then they're gone. And then you don't see them anymore. And, and they end up, they go back to the world. They go back to, to how they were. They go back to that life that they were living, you know, before they accepted Jesus. And you start saying, well, were they really saved? Probably not. But unfortunately, each one of us can do that. Each one of us can fall back into the clutches of the world. And it can still happen today, and we need to watch out for it. And we know these people who, who come in, and, and, and we think, hey, man, this person's really going to make a difference. And they fall short, and they go back, and they, they go back into that old lifestyle. They go back into the world. And I want to encourage you that there's nothing back there. You, you think about the world that you came from, the heartache, the sin, the abuse, whatever it whatever it may have been. Why would you take the hope and assurance of Jesus in a life spent in heaven with him to go back? But unfortunately, a lot of us know people who do it. And there's people in this room today that could still, even though you say, I'd never do that, could possibly end up doing that at some point in time. My prayer would be that none of us ever do. And I think it's even interesting, John in 1 John 2.19 said this, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belong to us. We need to endure faithfully the calling that God has for us. Continue to walk. And it's not easy. It is not an easy path. It's not easy to do. You know, there's stumbles, there's... There's times we're going to be in the valley. There's times we're going to be on the mountaintop. 
But we need to endure through this and continue to hold on to that hope that Jesus has for us because we are his promised children. And even though we come short, he never will. He will never fail us. The next thing we see is the faithful look after one another in verses 24 and 25. You know, these verses um, <clears throat> told us, you know, we have access to God through, through the blood of Christ. But I think it's interesting. It tells us to consider one another. So to consider one another means we actually got to think about one another beyond Sunday morning service. You know, consider one another as you're going through life. Consider what a brother or sister is going through in their life. And, and we need to set our mind on each other and set our mind on, on how we can help one another in the body of Christ. It goes beyond Sunday morning. You know, we need to be building each other up, looking towards each other, asking, hey, how can I help this person do what God has called them to do? You see, we should be in the build-up business, not the destroy and tear down business. And unfortunately, in the world today, what do they do? They want to tear everything down. But as we are holding our hope in Jesus Christ, and as we come together as a body in Christ, we're able to sit there, communicate with each other, and we can consider what someone else is going through. Maybe someone's going through a hard time, so they need you to be there to build them up. They may need you to, hey, you know what? I happen to have this skill of this labor skill. Let me help you by going in fixing a bathroom, doing some type of plumbing. We need to consider each other and be there for each other through it all. It talks about stirring each other up in love for our, for our love and what we do for Jesus. It's a shame when people get welcomed better at Walmart than they do at a church. Walk inside Chick-fil-A, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. You get treated better at Chick-fil-A than you do in some churches. As a church, we should show love. We should show love to one another. And that's one of the things it even talks about, that we are to love each other together. The number one call in another church should be love. When we come together, we should love. We should love each other despite who we are, despite who people are. The first thing we should do is love each other. If God is love, we should love. Our first and foremost love should be towards Jesus Christ, then our spouses, and then our brothers and sisters. But unfortunately, we don't even put a lot of times our brothers and sisters on our love list. We see them in church, yep, love you. See you next Sunday. And there's nothing beyond that. We need to take that time to love one another as we spend time together beyond just Sunday mornings. A lot of times as, as we look at the world, do you really see love inside the world? If the world doesn't love and the church is supposed to love, we should be different than the world, correct? But how much different are we really of the world? How much of the church today is let too much of the world in and, and don't show that love to one another? We need to show that love everywhere we go. We need to be loving people in everything we do. We're called to love one another as Jesus loved us. Jesus loved you enough to die on a cross for you. Do you love people enough to die for them? 
maybe your spouse. Beyond your spouse, maybe some family members. Look to the person to your right or to your left. Now, in most cases, it's your spouse, but look the other way. Are you willing to die for that other person? Think about that. That's how much Jesus loved you. Jesus loved you enough to die for the person sitting next to you. And we don't even like each other that much. We're called to love one another, and we should. We, we should work on loving each other together, which takes us to working together. We need to help our brothers and sisters out in their work for the Lord. Um, each one of us has a job we're doing. Each one of us has a path that we're walking. So we should help each other, and we should strive to be there for each other. It talks about building each other up. You know, and like I said, we should be in the build-up business, not tear-down business. So if you see a brother or sister struggling with something, be there for them. Show them love, take that time with them, and build them up and encourage them in their faithfulness. Encourage one another in everything that we do. And last but not least, we're supposed to worship together. We should worship together. See, a lot of these Jewish converts abandoned going to church, just like a many... Christ followers abandoned going to church with COVID and still abandoned going to church today. We should never, ever stop, stop meeting together. We should come together. If you can go to Walmart, you can come to church. If you can go to Publix, you can come to church. In most cases, if you can go to work, you can definitely come to church because people at work, guess where they're at? They're out there in the bars, they're at the concerts, they're doing everything else. And so if they're getting sick, they're going to give it to you at work anyway. So if you can go to work, then you might as well come to church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> you got to understand, church attendance is vital for us. It's vital for us to come together because we were built to be together. We were not made to be alone. We were made to do life together. And, and we're called to do this life together. And coming to church is just part of it. You know, but I, like I always say, it's not about these hour and 15 minutes here. We should live our life still as a body of Christ helping each other out. You know, you, you, you know a brother or sister needs some work done, you go help them. You know a brother or sister is hurting in their life, they're going through something, be there for them. Take that time to be with each other. You know, and, and when you come in the house, be excited about coming here. We should be excited to come to church every Sunday morning. You know, and, and I think, you know, some people fall in that trap of the enemy. You know, they got so used to, well, I really don't have to go to church. I can do church wherever I'm at. Oh, I can do church sitting on the beach. This is my sanctuary. See, I got some thumbs up for that one. At least I got thumbs up and they're in church. <laughs> they're not sitting on the beach watching online. But we can always make these excuses, and Satan will make, give you excuses not to come to church and make it way too convenient to not be here. Well, I can come next week, or I can do this, or I can do that. And, you know, don't get caught up with the traps of the enemy. Come to church. Make sure you come often. Be faithful. Get involved in life groups, in Bible studies. You know, go beyond getting really into that small group atmosphere. Make sure you come to worship. 
Come in here ready to worship. Come in here ready to worship our living God. Come to Wednesday evenings. Come to Tuesday night prayer group. If you got kids or grandkids, come to Youth Encounter. Hey, you can come yourself and hang out with us. Come ready to sing. Come ready to pray. But make sure you're coming. Make sure you're coming into the house ready to praise him, to hear his word, and to fellowship with others. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to come together and worship him. Something to think about. Now, most of y'all probably know I'm, I'm a very avid sports fan. I love my college football. I enjoy the NFL. Hockey playoffs are coming up. Panthers have a 13-game winning streak going into the playoffs. Number one seed going into the playoffs right now. You got the NBA finals going on. We just had March Madness. My Tar Heels came a little short. But, you know, I, I'm giving up this whole sports business thing. I, I'm giving it up. You're never, ever going to find me in an arena or at a stadium again. You want to know why? You know, every time I go to a sporting event, they ask me for money. Everything costs something. It's expensive for parking. You got to pay for tickets. A drink is like $20,000 for this little drink. You know, you can't even get popcorn anymore. It's, it's crazy. You know, I, I, I don't really like the people I sit with. They're kind of mean to me. You know, they, they don't respect your space while you're in there. They don't seem really friendly. And have you been in a stadium lately? Man, them seats are kind of uncomfortable, aren't they? You know, you sit there and you're like, man, I paid all this money. I should have a Lazy Boy lounge chair or something. But, but the seats are uncomfortable and, and, you know, it's just not right. I think I sit with some hypocrites. You know, I got these people that would always sit around me and, and they weren't there to watch the game. They were too busy talking to their friends and then interrupting so you couldn't see what was going on. And, and then they were too worried about the way other people were dressed. Oh, you see, they got new Jordans. Oh, you see this? I'm like, there's a game going on here. You know, we, we need to be watching the game. And, and, you know, it's just crazy that you think like that. You know, sometimes games go into overtime. Don't you hate overtime games? Because then you plan on getting, you know, you got to get home. Panthers game last night went to overtime, you know. So, so then you're late getting home because it goes into overtime. And, you know, I just, I just don't understand it. I, I can't do it anymore. I go to all these games. The, the coach has never called on me. He knows I'm there. He's never called on me, asked me for any advice or, any, or what I wanted, what I thought. The referees make some calls that I definitely don't agree with. You know, and even sometimes the band plays music that I don't know. And it's just crazy. But yet, I kept going for so many years. I got taken to way too many games as a kid. You know, I grew up in South Florida, had little Yankee Stadium right there, and I was a Red Sox fan, so I really didn't like going there either. But my parents dragged me too much. So the one thing I did is I said, I'm not going to take my kids. I'm going to let them make their own decision on what team or what sport they want. Now, see, all that sounds kind of crazy, isn't it? That sounds nuts. Some of you may be agreeing with me. You know, that's the same excuses people make for not coming to church. Think about that. I'm not going to come to church because they always ask me for money. 
I'm not going to come to church because the seats are uncomfortable. I'm not going to come to church because the people aren't friendly. They're too busy talking to their friends. Well, the pastor never comes and asks me anything, and I'm there every week. Man, I don't like the music that they play up here. I wish they would play this or play that. The same exact excuses that I just said I won't go to an arena for, people won't come to church for. Isn't that crazy? But if we do what we're called to do and we show love for each other and we consider each other and we look out for each other and we give people a better welcome coming into this church than they get at Walmart or Chick-fil-A, what kind of difference would that make? It would be a huge difference. It would be a huge difference in what we do. What if we changed the way we treat people at our job? And we showed them love, even if they weren't a Christian, and we said, hey, I still love you. I know you're living this life of sin, but hey, I got a Savior who can change your life. I still love you. I'm going to continue to love you, and I'm going to be there. I'm not going to go drinking with you, but I'll be right there with you. I'll pick you up when you're drunk. Call me. I'm going to give you an earful on the way home, but call me. But we need to show that love wherever we're at. If we're the body of Christ and we can't show love when we come together inside his house, how are we going to show love in the world? So we need to change and we need to look at what, what's happening. So what are our next steps? Are you a Christ follower? Are, are you saved? And if so, yeah, welcome to the family of God. But that means you got a job you have to do. God's not done with you, so you have to continue moving. So next question will be, are you actually faithful? Are you faithful or are you one of those? And now, see, I can say this now because most of y'all aren't them CEOs. Because, you know, they had their big last weekend they were here. And they're not here this weekend. Because, you know, they did their commitment. We'll see them again on Christmas, so we'll talk about them on Christmas. But until that time, we're going to love them. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but are you faithful? Do you faithfully attend church? I think it's interesting. Verse 23 said this. Hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. And I talked about how hard it is not to waver. And I think that's why the next two verses were so important. Because verse 25 tells us, you know, don't give up meeting together. One way we can hold on to that hope without wavering is to do exactly that. Not giving up meeting together. Make sure we continue to meet together. Because remember, don't give up on meeting together, but value the vital work of our local church, informing us into a community that reflects Jesus. And I, I think through this community, we can encourage others. And there's times you may come in here and you may be rebuked, and God's word may be, man, I messed up. That's okay. We're all messed up. We're all jacked up, but every one of us is loved. In the same way that he loves us, we need to love others as we continue to walk our life, as we continue to walk this path. So yeah, next step. Salvation isn't just the beginning. And like I said, even if you've been coming here for a while, the message is for you because there are a lot of people nodding their heads. So that means God's word doesn't return void. Each one of us know that we should be loving each other. 
And maybe you're here today and you're not loving each other the way you should. Maybe you're not loving your brother or sister in Christ the way God calls you to love. It's time to make a change. It's time to be the person Jesus called you to be. That we would love each other the way he loved us. He was willing to die on a cross for you. Be willing to die for your brother or sister in Christ. Show his love to everyone you come in contact with. Continue meeting together and do what it needs to be, what you need to do to continue being what he called you to be. You see, some people just come to church on Sunday and not get involved any other time, and then they become this isolated Christian. You know, it's like a hot coal. When you take a hot coal and you remove it from the heat, it becomes cold and it's good for nothing. The same thing happens to Christians. When we get away from that fire, when we get away from being around other believers, when we get away from worshiping our Lord together through corporate worship, we can become cold and fall away. Don't be like a cold coal. Stay in the fire in everything you do. And maybe you're here and you don't know who Jesus is or you've walked away from Jesus. Well, God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short, so that's okay. You're among your brothers and fellow sinners because we're all sinners. But it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. At that moment, you're saved. Welcome to our family. Welcome to our messed up, jacked up family. You fit right in. Because if you're not messed up and jacked up, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you just haven't realized it yet. Come and see me. We'll talk about it. We'll find out where you're messed up and jacked up because I'll tell you where I am. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short. So maybe if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, make that move today. You can come up front, accept Jesus. If you join us for church online, you can let us know right online. I accepted Jesus today and we'll get some information to you. But it's the greatest decision you can ever make. After accepting him, it's doing what he calls you to do. So if you find yourself times just, well, I, 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 I making excuses. Well, church happens and I got other things to do. Shouldn't he be the most important thing for you to do first? So if you don't have your focus on him and, and you need that refocus, come on up here, leave it at the altar, or you can sit right where you're at. And just make it right with God today and make that commitment to be involved not only in corporate worship, but get involved in other things that the church does. Get involved, get in the game. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask you to continue to guide us, Lord. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that today is the day of their salvation, that they will accept you today. But Lord, for those who have been wavering back and forth and, and not really you know, doing what you've called them to do, Lord, I'd ask that you would convict them so that they understand this, let us. Let us is a command in the Bible. So God, you've commanded it, and, and we know that Jesus spent the Sabbath 
in your house. So Lord, if we're supposed to be like Jesus, then we should spend our first day, your day, in the house. And may we never forsake meeting together, Lord. And may we continue to glorify you and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.